Hello, and welcome to the Wine Isle. I'm Kirsten Lindquist. I'm the wine buyer for both locations of the North Coast Co-op in Arcata and Eureka. And I'm here with my two co-hosts. Taylor works with me. Salutations. And Jen Curry is a wine vendor who I buy from for both locations. Hello, I'm my friend. And yes, this is the official podcast of the North Coast Co-op. And today we're going to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has affected wine sales, where you buy wine, where you consume wine, how much you're consuming, um, what wine you're able to consume. We all know now what supply chain means, or at least we have an idea of what it means. Um, And in many ways, it's become a shortcut for saying, I don't have it because of supply chain issues. So I'm going to um, give you some sales comparisons, um, because I'm sure lots of people are interested in how much more wine we've all been drinking. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about the impact on bars and restaurants. Um, We're going to talk about supply chain and what that means and what it's going to mean going forward. I think it's going to have a lot of impact on the industry, um, even after the pandemic subsides. Hopefully it will subside. Um, and how that's affected people's drinking habits. So um, four kind of big topics. Um, But let me start out by telling you something that was not quite shocking, but kind of eye-opening, if you will. Um, When I looked at sales of wine in both locations uh, for the year of 2019, so the pandemic officially lockdown started the third week of March in 2019. Um, When I compared the sales for that year to uh, previous years, we had in Eureka, we sold 3,200 more bottles of wine. And in Arcata, we sold 8,000 bottles more wine than the previous year, which amounted to um, 28,000 in sales in Eureka and 69,000 more in Arcata. So there was a serious jump. Um, In 2020, It jumped a little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, we sold 20 more bottles in Eureka and uh, 850 more bottles in Arcata. So 2021 kind of calmed down, um, wasn't quite as high as 2020. Wait a minute, I said that wrong. The pandemic started in 2020. 2020. Thank you. I had 2019 on here just for comparison, right? Um. So that was that was kind of amazing. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, um, first of all, restaurants and bars were closed um, for like two and a half months. And then when did they start to open up? Was it in June? Or much it was later? limited and it was on again, off again, very, very erratic. Right. It wasn't indoor seating. It was only to go. Outdoor to go. Yep. Outdoor and to go. <clears throat> and, you know, anyone who knows anything about the restaurant business, I mean, I knew before this that... of new restaurants will go out of business within the first four years. Like there's people tell you, oh, you make great food. You should open a restaurant. No way. (sighs) You want to open a restaurant? You should start with a million dollars. Yeah, a lot of work and money. Deep, deep, deep pockets. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, apparently the rate of failure for restaurants has now risen to 61% because of COVID. Um, even though there have been these allowances of uh, you can get drinks to go because anyone who knows the restaurant business knows that alcohol is what keeps your profit margin up. Your margin, forget profit, you know, just to be able to pay your bills. Um, 
I remember around here, things kind of opened up again at around Thanksgiving, wasn't it, in 2020? And a bunch of restaurants bought wine. And food. And food. And prepped. And oh, then God. got shut down three days before. Yeah. It was almost, it was just impossible. People were battered. They were completely battered. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. It was insane. And the interesting thing is people's alcohol consumption didn't actually increase. It just increased at home. Oh, because people used to go out to bars, they'd go out to restaurants, and so their alcohol consumption was in different places. But now it was happening at home during lockdown or people working from home. And you were mentioning memes. There were a lot of good memes, you know, <laughs> that were about circulating. Like every day was like a Friday. <laughs> right? Cocktail, you know, the happy hour started at four, then it was three, right. then it was, you know. It was definitely a coping mechanism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, we could sleep in and it was just a coping mechanism it was just so much uncertainty right and yeah. people had to homeschool their kids oh, kids oh, on zoom yeah, i mean right. just the stress of all of it on top of the fear of getting sick yeah. and what happens if you get sick and so forth um so it's not really surprising that alcohol consumption has gone up um and i'm really curious if um i don't know this if restaurants are going to be allowed to have to go drinks on a continuing basis. I mean, how long? That definitely hasn't come up yet, right? Right. At I least think not in that, California. You know, in our area, I didn't really find that people took full advantage of that. There was a few people that really sort of did everything they could, no matter what was happening, they did it. Um, but overall, I didn't find a whole lot of people taking the opportunity to do that. But from what I understand that, yes, there are some ABC regulations that are going to remain in place and cocktails to go are one of them. Uh, they also made it easier for businesses to share alcohol with one another. Oh, right. Um, so there were some basic things that the ABC relaxed that are, from what I understand at this point, they remain in place. Right. Because yeah. I remember around Thanksgiving of 2020, I bought a case from you that some restaurant had bought and right. they couldn't use it. Yes. So they we were able to buy it. to from, do those sort of transactions. Yeah. Which makes sense. I'm not sure why you couldn't in the past. It's probably leftover prohibition laws. Alcohol is very tightly regulated. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 2020 was a year of whiplash for on-premise businesses. It was very, very difficult right. to watch. And so what we pivoted to y'all, your retailers, you sold so much alcohol, mm. especially those first eight months. It right. was outrageous how much alcohol y'all sold. Right. Outrageous. And now I'm remembering there were all these deals we were getting People from panicked. wine vendors. They freaked out. They were trying to get unload their inventory. And I even remember talking to Alex, our producer, who's also our marketing director. And I said, you know, we really should publicize. We've got some great deals on really good wine. That's just unheard of prices. And he said something along the lines of, well, I don't want to say, hey, COVID prices are great. Come out and get your cheap wine, <laughs> even though that was basically what we were getting. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, you know, the following year, people came looking for those wines. I'm like, you're not going to get it at $10, $12 when it's an 18 to $20 wine. Yeah. It's just that we had to help out vendors who had all this inventory they were sitting on, yeah. which, of course, is the opposite of what's happening now, no. right? There was a huge panic. There was yeah. a huge, huge, huge panic. Because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and 
now we have supply chain issues. Well, that was followed by, in California and Oregon at least, um, drought, wildfire, and smoke. So yields were down. I mean, so for the past three years, business has just been in turmoil, and um, it's been hard to wrap your mind around one catastrophe, much less the next one and the next one and the next one. So, yeah, things have changed. Things have changed. And people, things have settled a little bit now, but people are very starkly looking at reality, and it's not going to be business as usual. No, it definitely isn't. And it's kind of amazing that wineries have survived. And and some of them have, some of them haven't. They've had to make very difficult decisions. They have pared down. They've had to get into fighting weight for sure. And a lot of people weren't able to make wine in 20 or 21. Mm. Um, And if they did, did they have staff to make the wine? Did they have glass to put it into? It's just been one thing after another. And I try to tell people that are trying to pay the same for wine that they did in 2018, that that's just a whole new world now. People are having to pay employees a lot more to come to work. That's right. They're having to pay more for insurance on their properties. Right. I I hate to say inflation, but it's here and it's real. It's true. Everything costs more right now. Yeah. Fuel is up. I mean, how long has it been $5 a gallon in, yeah. in Humboldt? Right. I mean, gas has been so expensive for like six a year. Yeah, I think yeah. actually uh, Humboldt County, we have the highest gas prices in the continental U.S. Always have. I don't know yeah. why. Always have. Yeah. So people can Draw only. dropping. Yeah. People can only absorb. Businesses can only absorb that for so, so much, long. Right. Before they finally say something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hence the alcohol. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. This is why we drink. And so we are going to take a quick break. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about um, supply chain issues a little more in depth. And we're going to talk about how this has changed people's drinking habits. The Wine Isle is the official wine cast of North Coast Co-op, your local member-owned grocery co-op where everyone is welcome. Hi, this is Kirsten with The Wine Isle. Welcome back. I'm here with Jen Curry. Hello. And Taylor Swan. Hello. And we are talking about the pandemic. And right now we're going to get into supply chain issues. So um, definitely people seem to be aware of the fact that um, container ships are not getting unloaded very fast. We see lots of photographs of container ships just sitting either in port or out on the water waiting to come into port. Um, And if you don't already know that, part of the reason is there's not enough dock workers, um, people to unload the containers, because as those of us who work at the co-op are aware, if somebody tests positive for COVID, Anybody who worked with that person in an enclosed area for more than 15 minutes has to quarantine. So imagine that happening with dock workers. So you don't have enough people to unload the containers. So stuff is sitting out there waiting to be unloaded. That's definitely been an issue, still an ongoing issue. Um, This past month and a half, I ordered... Um, a large order that I get from a South American company and I ordered it at the end of December. It got here, I want to say, the first week in February. Yeah. So not bad. <laughs> not bad not is bad right. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, whereas, you know, now when I'm ordering stuff 
from a French importer I work with or the imports I work with in you, I ask for an ETA. And sometimes it's coming. Sometimes we have no idea. Sometimes, boom, it's here. So it's it's highly unstable. We don't know what's coming. Um, it turns out when I did a little research on this, um, French and Italian winemakers, they can't get bottles. So we've had that issue here too. Glass bottles are, first of all, the manufacturing of them got shut down during lockdowns. So nobody was making them. And then you're going to have the opposite of a backlog. So you have none available because there was no production of them. And then getting people to come back to work in an enclosed space when there still is COVID in existence, you're not necessarily getting people. And then like, as you mentioned, Jen, you got to pay them more and mm-hmm. it becomes unsustainable. How do you do this? So the price of glass, literally I found out last week has increased almost by double. And people up here, local winemakers, can't get glass or it's just really expensive or they're waiting months for it to come. Um, so that's affecting production. There's another local winemaker who I used to get anywhere from six to 10 different varietals from. And he said over this over COVID, he hasn't been able to get the labor he needs not to do the picking, but managing in the winemaking cellar, bottling, labeling, racking, taking care of all that. He and his wife are not enough. And they had two people helping them. One of them got sick, not COVID. They got sick with something else and they weren't able to um, help him out. And so now we're down to about four different bottles I can get from him. So that affects his livelihood. That affects what I can sell. You know, people get frustrated when things are not available, but everyone is starting to accept supply chain issues are supply chain issues. Yeah, and I think the the glass shortage was, uh, a lot of people saw um, that, I think it was on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle? Yes, it was. Yeah, so, yeah, somebody actually came up to me and they were like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, uh, you know, I guess wine's going up. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And since the beginning, of, I think I think a lot of places held off until after Christmas, which was really nice of them. But, man, prices have gone up two, three, four dollars on the shelf. Um, and it's because of glass, for sure. And I really think the $10 groceries bottle, it's not going to be there anymore. I really just don't think, I think after this is over, we're just not going to have that anymore. We're just going to have to get used to paying 11 and $12. And it's not simply inflation, although I guess inflation covers a lot of that. But um, a lot of that is going on. What are some of the other things? Um, oh, in your, so if you want to transport your wine from France to Italy or vice versa, if you want to come into Italy, they now have something called a green paper. And this means you're fully vaccinated against COVID. And if you don't have that, they won't let you in. So they're telling me 25 to 30% of the truckers do not have this paper. And so they can't get stuff in, they can't get stuff out. And it's really affecting people. You know, people make their own choices about their health and that's what's happening. But I was like, wow. Oh, and another thing that happened was um, glass was only coming from China. If you think about it, yeah, everything was coming from China. And so this is three years of ricochet almost where nothing moved through China. The container ships have to be filled, unloaded, and come back and make their circuit. 
You know, it's the sub- global supply chain issue, and that's what we were slaves right. to. And when right. that stopped happening, nothing was moving. New Zealand and Australia had such hard lockdowns that nothing we would normally go there first and yep. then come our way. Yep. It's insane. My sister is in logistics for wine, and mm. she said she cannot believe the detours her wine is taking. People are paying where they used to pay maybe 3000 in a container. They're paying up to 9000 12000 They're being outbid by big companies so that they can get their wine here first. And then she even says that sometimes her wine goes on a train. And she said, what the hell is my wine doing on a train right now? (laughs) Like it's just, and it it has ricocheted. It hasn't, everybody thinks like just now people are finally starting to understand because it's lasted so long. But for so long, people just would look at you incredulously. It's like, well, stop and think about all the things that have to happen Mm -hmm. for this all to sort of fit together Mm -hmm. and piece together. Mm -hmm. And that completely broke down, completely broke down. And someone was saying to me recently, I'm like, why aren't they starting glass manufacturing? Well, apparently it takes time to get a factory up and running. And this is not just overnight. You know, we live in the instant gratification culture, but I want it cheap and I want it now. It doesn't (laughs) work that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, Which makes me wonder, are I haven't noticed people going to alternative formats, but is something like that Oh, definitely cans. Um, People have had to do everything. I've had some um, tequila in particular because tequila oftentimes comes in such an ornate bottle. Gone, gone. And uh, Mexico had a hard lockdown. And so they would come in just, you know, a regular recycled glass bottle. That happened a Mm. lot. Um, But uh, leaders did better because they were available. People just had to scramble with what they could get. Yeah. 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 They were willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't get tequila for a while. You still can't get premium spirits. If you can find them, you're going to pay for them. Wow. There's just a global demand. The thirst is so high that... It's just not enough to satisfy people. Yeah. It's nuts. It is really nuts. It's nuts. Once you did get the containers, even if you finally got it offloaded, even just getting it from a truck to a warehouse sometimes took four weeks to get it from San Pedro to Richmond. Right. (laughs) Would take four weeks. Right. Yeah. The ports are so backed up. And that's definitely conversations I've had with other wine vendors where they'd say, well, it's supposed to land on this date and we're supposed to get it to the warehouse within a week. But, you know, stay tuned because it may not happen. Um, And I'm completely guilty of this, that when it does land, then I buy it up. Yeah, you kind of have to. You got to just like buy up as much as you can if it's something like particular, our our beautiful sparkling Paloma, Mm -hmm. the Pizzolatto Rosé, which I sell so much of in both stores. And yeah, I grabbed up multiple cases of it. Hoarding. I had to do that. <laughs> the hoarding yeah, we're is good for a while. Hoarding is happening. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's kind of human nature. Like, otherwise, it's gone. Somebody yeah. else is going to do it if you don't get ahead of them. And I personally really hate that sense of, you know, the capitalist mentality. But you've got to take advantage <laughs> of it now. Otherwise, yeah. you have nothing to sell. Yeah. Um, and I remember back in the holidays, people were asking me, is there going to be wine on the shelf? I'm like, there's always going to be wine on the shelf. There's lots of wine. Is it the wine you want? Right. I don't know. Yeah. That is the question. Right. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely the question. Expand your horizons. Yeah. Go with it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I think has been an interesting impact is um, we were recycling cork before the pandemic. and. Oh, right. Uh, that stopped immediately. And then the nonprofit company that used to pay for the shipping to receive the cork 
start it up again, but they wanted us to pay for shipping. And I was shipping out, you know, 20 pounds of cork, I'd say once a month from each store. Um, of course, after 16 months of COVID, people had a lot of cork. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, my goodness. They wanted us to pay for the shipping. So we couldn't go with them. We found somebody else for a short amount of time, and then they stopped receiving it or they wanted us to pay for it. In some ways, it became unsustainable for us. And also, I ended up with 80 pounds of cork. And I had to stop receiving cork because I had nowhere to put it. Um, now we have somebody locally who literally just picked up the cork. So I'm very Great. excited about that. What are they Yay. doing with it? Um, she's going to produce some sort of sellable product using it. Great. So I hope that that will continue. That would be really exciting because uh, I personally have a stash. Yeah. And I know. I hate throwing corks away. You know, if we could recycle them, great. Yeah. Um, so that's happening. Um, but all of that was a segue to how have people's drinking habits changed? Because I would say I'm definitely expecting, and I think this is happening, a slowdown in drinking, even though bars and restaurants are a little more marginally open. Um, so we've seen a slowdown in sales. But what's really been happening, because I also manage the beer department here in Eureka, um, is the rise in non-alcoholic beer. Like people are drinking non-alcoholic beer like they're drinking beer. It's I now have eight or nine um, different non-alcoholics down right. there. They're selling pretty well. They're selling really well. One of them is from Crux, which is a brewery up in Bend in Oregon, and I have about nine or ten different of their alcoholic wine uh, beers. But their Nomo, which is their non-alcoholic beer, is their bestseller. Did I tell you that? No, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, the local vendor told me that. And wow. I was like, I'm not surprised. I'm going through a case a week, which is kind of not what I'm going through with the others. So I'm wondering if that will ever catch up with wine. Um, and I did actually a little research on this because a wine podcast I listened to, Wine Blast, they definitely did a session on this, a podcast um, episode. And they talk to people who make non-alcoholic wine. And you have to make wine and then de-alcoholize it. I know. Making faces, I agree. It seems really strange. Um, but what I have noticed is the non-alcoholic wine that I do sell, the Ariel Cabernet and Chardonnay, I'm selling a lot more of it. In fact, I need to order it if I haven't done that recently. Interesting. Uh-huh. In both stores. And, you know... There's been the occasional pregnant woman who will buy non-alcoholic wine or mm -hmm. I'll come across a man who's like, my wife's pregnant, where's your non-alcoholic wine? Um, and uh, one of the managers who works here told me his wife was drinking non-alcoholic beer when she was pregnant. Um, but the thing that was most interesting is that if you want to make good non-alcoholic wine, you have to make good wine first and take out the alcohol. And it, it, re it leaves a hole. There is something missing when you take out the alcohol. Um, and how do you make a balanced wine when you're taking something out of it? I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Mm. And the other thing that this uh, particular podcast was looking at was low alcohol wine. But the lowest alcohol wine out there is usually like 9 maybe 7%, but that's usually sparkling and Sometimes it's sweet. Sometimes 6 or 7. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's not really going to replace other wine. Um it's just a byproduct of fermentation, so... Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. I'd probably just drink something else. 
Yeah, I know. That's really what I think about is like, I really wish alcohol, uh, wine had less alcohol so I could drink more of it and have less of an effect on me because um, I just love the taste of it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that is something that will happen in the future. Yeah, because I've definitely noticed, um, at least the time that I've been working here, that a lot more people have been asking for non-alcoholic wine. For sure. And, you know, it seems kind of rude to be like, oh, so why do you want non-alcoholic right. wine? Yeah. Just but I'm super curious. Yeah. That? <laughs> I was super curious about it um, because, you know, sure, you could drink grape juice. Grape juice, which I'm not really a fan of. Yeah. I actually find grape juice far too sweet. Yeah. yeah. You mix it with soda and squeeze lemon. I don't know. I know. I mean, then <laughs> like you're making it. a cocktail mm-hmm. and I'm not really, mm-hmm. I want wine. I don't mm-hmm. want a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I'll freely admit the first six months of COVID, I was drinking a glass or two a night and I had to really cut down on it because I felt um, not mentally not as healthy. And um, that was sad, but I feel better now. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was very similar for a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Crutch. Yep. It was. It was. It was extreme. I mean, I am looking forward to the time when we can look back on this period and see what we learned from it when we're no longer in it. A big hearty laugh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, a sense as, of humor, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a big glass of wine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's what I, I remember posting on Facebook far too often is, where is that big glass of wine waiting for me? <laughs> is it wine 30 yet? Oh, wine 30. Yeah, I like that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was it it's still I mean, hopefully we're coming out of the woods. We thought we were this time last year, so yeah. who knows? Let's knock on wood. Anyway. I think that's gonna wrap up our um episode on the pandemic. Anything else? Here Here's hoping yep, mm-hmm. that we will be moving forward from that soon. Mm-hmm. If you do wanna be informed about the new wines that I bring in, um We send out an email. It's easy to join the email list. Uh, You just go to our wine webpage on the North Coast Co-op webpage. Actually, the easy way to find it is northcoast.coop slash wine. And that will take you to a page where you can sign up to receive the email so that you can get these episodes sent straight to your email box as soon as they're released. And every time we do that, there is uh, featured wines. There's new wines, there's deals, and um, there's ones that I put a spotlight on or uh, the last time we sent it out, there was a highlighted producer. So I love telling you about um, what it is we're bringing in that's new and fun. And I want to thank you all for joining us. And we hope to see you soon on the wine aisle. Cheers.